You're listening to Out of Nowhere, a series featuring emergent brands with somewhat unexpected origins. Your host is Justin Watkins of Native Digital, a marketing firm specializing in brand messaging and performance media. Let's jump in. I didn't grow up um, as a farm kid. Um, grew up around agriculture, but but not directly involved or anything like that. And then uh, when I was in high school, moved to the city, and I was a city boy for oh, probably twenty years. Um, but uh, but as we started Vive, uh, what was seventeen years ago now? Uh, really realized that there was an opportunity to make a huge difference in agriculture and that there was a real need for innovation in agriculture, um, helping farmers do more with less, um, helping improve the productivity of their operations, helping improve the, the food that we all eat and share with our families. And I have absolutely loved this industry and it's where I want to spend my career. It is incredible to me, the desire for innovation in agriculture, um, the excitement about adopting new technologies, the opportunity to make an impact. Uh, I mean, I think most entrepreneurs are impact motivated, but you know, doing something with, with food, it's just, it's, it's such an incredible industry to be a part of uh, compared to, you know, being in, you know, a, a SaaS business in tech or something like that. It's just, it, it's, it's incredible to me how meaningful it is. And then the other piece is um, agriculture is an industry where, um, you know, it's a bit of a closer community um than i think in a lot of other industries and i was at uh grow canada which is uh the big industry agriculture event up here in canada a couple of weeks ago and one of the speakers said that uh talked about some research that said when you retire the things that are the most meaningful to you and that you look back on with the most passion that you spent your career are doing hard things with people you like um and i think making food production better is is an example of a hard thing uh, but it's a hard thing, and, and agriculture is filled with uh, with great people. So that's a big part of why I'm still uh, still actively involved in this industry. Yeah. So I'm curious. You you said you didn't grow up around the farm, but now now you don't want to get away from it, right? Was it? Mm-hmm. And I'll j- just real quick, my story is almost the opposite. Grew up around farming, didn't want anything to do with it. Moved <laughs> into like kind of urban setting, as far away from uh, the farm as we could. But I, I know what brought me back. I'm curious about what you brought in, brought you to it. Was it that you discovered science and that science just happened to lend itself to farming and then you uh, liked the impact it could make? Or did you know that there was an impact to be made here, figure out the science so you could play a role? Which one came first? A little bit of both, but it was mostly the former. Um, we had developed, um, so the technology underneath Vive is all about delivering um a material that does something in a more effective way. So delivering a pesticide to help it be more effective on the farm, delivering a a fertilizer to help it be more effective. It's all about effective and controlling the delivery of these materials. But we actually got started um, delivering materials in some very different industries, including uh, displays. So we were uh, developing a new delivery technology to make more effective um, uh, television materials uh, and medical diagnostics. So, you know, doing the kinds of tests, like everybody got so sick of the COVID test, but that type of system. And, um, and that was really the underlying, uh, the starting innovation behind the company was delivery of some of those materials. 
And what we really realized after we'd been at it for a couple of years was that our core advantages were that we could do this at massive scale in a pretty cost-effective way. And you don't care about that if you're making TVs because you use such a small amount of these materials when you're, using, when you're making TVs. And you don't care about it when you're making medical diagnostics for the same reason. You don't care about it in pharmaceuticals for the same reason. But you know what industry needs effective delivery at massive scale everywhere in the world? agriculture. And so we ended up looking at applications in agriculture and in, in personal care. So in cosmetics was the other uh, other application area we looked pretty seriously at. And I'm a heck of a lot more excited to be building innovations for agriculture than I would be as a, a you know, in a cosmetics company. So that makes a ton of sense. It makes a ton of sense. What was, what was the early days of Vive? Like what was that sort of and maybe you just kind of described it was understanding like who needs this technology, but what was kind of like the early idea, innovation thing that you came across and, and what like convictions did you have about that, that were present that maybe others around you didn't quite see at the time? Yeah. The underlying technology when we first developed, it was this delivery system, these, these small um, carriers that could help carry an active ingredient to, to where it needs to go in, in a real world application. Um, and, you know, one of the pieces of advice um, early entrepreneurs often get told is you need to focus on market pull. Uh, go out there and talk to as many people as you can about how your technology can be used and, you know, really get somebody that's going to bite on it. And then that, that's the direction that you chase. And I think for um, really deep tech innovations, that's bad advice because we spent a couple of years doing that. And what would happen is we'd go talk to a company, we'd go talk to a car company about their, their issues with uh, delivery of materials. And they would give us the absolute hardest problem that they possibly could. And then it would be very difficult to solve. Um, and we would spend six months trying to see whether we could apply the technology to that incredibly hard problem uh, and then find out that it, it wasn't really a fit. And we did that in, in a number of different industries to try to assess where the technology uh, might be able to work. And then we sat down and said, all right, th this isn't working. Um, we need to sit down and look at what, do we, what have we learned? What do we understand about how our technology can be used? And how do we build this into something that we can take to somebody where it's already, we've already proven it. We already know how it's going to work and we're going to be able to then start to work with receptors and learn about the market and, and develop it from there. Uh, and that was when we went through the, the cosmetics and, and agricultural applications and decided to pick agriculture. And then we spent about, I'm going to say about a year developing the initial technology in agriculture before we really started engaging with other people um, um, in the industry and, and really assessing where we might be able to take it from there. And I mean, that was... 13 years ago, uh, the technology's evolved a lot since then. I mean, you, you learn a ton as you try to deploy something into the real world. Uh, but that's really how we how we got started. So you, you talked about some, what sounded like maybe some dead ends or some false starts right there. Mm -hmm. Looking back, do you feel like it was helpful to have some of those false starts of kind of like, hey, people might lure us into this path and we know, you know, firsthand all too well, like that's not a good path. Or would you much prefer to never learn those lessons and just get right off to the races? Oh, that's a fun question. Um, it wasn't wasted effort. Uh, we definitely learned a lot about what we had and how that technology worked during some of those early um, development activities. Um, so that, that, I mean, it wasn't wasted effort. 
that having been said, I, I wish we'd started in agriculture because, you know, as I talked about on the front end of this, it's an industry that I love and, you know, wish, wish I'd been a part of three years earlier in order to be able to have an impact, uh, impact sooner. And so certainly do wish we'd been able to get, uh, get started earlier. Yeah. Do you remember some of those early conversations when you were talking with partners who really kind of latched on and got at some of those like early, I don't know if you call them early adopters or not, but at least early partners, people who were believers. Do you remember some of those conversations? What were those like? Yeah, they, we had a number of um, early collaborations with some folks in uh, in the industry. Um, and, and it was really interesting. One of the things I took away from those early conversations was, was how much of a need there was for what we were bringing to the table. Um, you know, in, in the ag input space right now, you tend to have the companies that are discovering new chemistries, new microbes, new plant extracts to deal with problems on the farm. And that takes a long time and an enormous amount of money. And then you tend to have companies that are really, really good at the operational efficiencies and doing things as inexpensively as possible, um, but aren't necessarily all that innovative. They're, they're taking off patent chemistry and, and packaging it in a, in a more cost-effective way, but not really giving the grower a new tool. And what we realized pretty early on was how important, how, how critical the need was for a company that was going to be able to drive innovation that wasn't a discovery company, uh, right? That was going to be able to take all the hard work other people put into discovering new chemistries and, and new biologicals and help those products be used in a more effective way. Um, and it was, it was amazing to me how every conversation we had in the front end, we would walk away with a laundry list of potential opportunities associated with our technology and what we might be able to do. And as I said earlier, when we were chatting, you know, one of the things that, um, I'm excited about is that we're, we're making a difference in a massive commodity market where, our technology can be applied in every crop, in every country, everywhere in the world. Um, and that, that those um, market needs that we identified even 10, 12 years ago are still on our list that we're working through from an innovation perspective uh, as we continue to develop new and innovative products and as our technology evolves so that maybe something we couldn't do 10 years ago, we've now realized today, oh, you know what? Technologies change. Our technologies change. Partner technology has changed. Market conditions has cha have changed. Now we have uh, we have an opportunity there. So, but that was the biggest thing that I remember was how how clear it was that we had found um, an opportunity uh, where where we could really make a difference. Yeah, which was probably refreshing after some of those uh, false starts, right? Of like, don't you understand? Like, this is good stuff. And then now you you found it and it's starting to click. For yeah. Go ahead. Just to follow on to that, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, when we would have the conversation with the car company, it would be like, well, you know, well, here's a way we might be able to use this. And, you know, it, it could maybe look like this. Whereas, you know, when we had some of those early conversations with partners in ag, we would leave with 15 concepts. And that's still true today. When we engage with partners today, whether they're, um, you know, existing customers or growers or other manufacturers, we still, that, that's the experience we have to this day is every time we have one of those meetings, we leave with, uh, uh, with more ideas than, than we came in with. And, uh, you know, and it is one of the biggest challenges we struggle with as a business, because I always jokingly say that uh, any good entrepreneur, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Um, and that's always a, that, that's one of the biggest challenges we have is how do you prioritize? 
I mean, I was going to ask this later on in the conversation, but I mean, you have to, you're a 17 year old company, but it sounds like it still feels like early days with all this potential that just keeps on being discussed, right? Yeah, that that's absolutely right. And you start to see too how other innovations that are being developed um, start to have some um, synergy with some of the innovations that we have. I mean, uh, we've got a, a set of products that are designed to be applied uh, when a grower is planting their crop uh, to go down with their fertilizer, primarily uh, for in-furrow application. And so, okay, so that's great. So that, we call that precision chemistry. And we talk about that in the context of precision ag. And, and I always say precision ag is a stool that's got three legs, right? You've got the data and analytics. So telling a grower, hey, here, here's how you can have, get the most productivity out of your farm. The equipment piece that helps them be more effective. And then our solutions, which are built into the jug that they buy. And you can start to think about, okay, well, if a grower now knows, hey, on, on my farm, this soil is the most productive. This is where I'm going to get the biggest bang for my buck for fertility placement and uh, and buys products. And then you have the equipment that allows you to really precisely design where it goes when you're planting. And then you have our built-in technology and you stack those benefits on top of one another. It's absolutely incredible what you can do. Um, and a lot of those parallel innovations that aren't part of what we do um, are, are really just starting to, uh, to accelerate in terms of adoption and, and what they can do here over the last, uh, last three or four years. So growers love it and growers understand it and your partners love it because they keep dreaming up all these different ideas. What about the just common everyday person who is a long ways away from the farm? I mean, do they, if you're talking with them, how do you kind of sum up what you, if you're having beers with somebody, how do you sum up like what you guys yep. do and why does it matter to them? Like, why do they... Why, what would happen if this company didn't exist? I mean, there, I think there's a pretty good answer, but I'm just curious what, in your words, you say. Yeah, I mean, usually what it, I'll, I'll start by going back to, to the farmer and talking about the challenges that they deal with on their farm, right? So, um, you know, if you look at farmers today, they have a um, challenging set of uh, economic conditions that they're typically operating under. Last couple of years have been good, but prior to that, farm bankruptcies were at the highest level that they'd been in decades. You have consolidation amongst uh, their suppliers themselves, their customers. Um, and then you have the consumer pressures that come from all of us saying that we want to see agriculture do more with less, right? Have a more efficient footprint um, um, from an environmental perspective, as well as in, in a lot of other different areas. Um, and then you have uh, potential impacts of climate, right? Which are leading to more invasive um, uh, pest species or new diseases that are coming up from uh, Latin America, as an example, for a U.S. grower that they haven't seen before. So these growers need new tools. They need the ability to do more with their inputs in order to um, to allow them to be more effective. Um, and they're just not getting that innovation from, from anywhere else. Um, and so what we allow them to do is take those inputs that they know and trust that we are, they already know work and get the most out of them, get the absolute best performance uh, from those products, which all, all of a sudden allows them to be more productive. It allows them to reduce the environmental impact of their their applications. And one of the other things it also sometimes allows them to do is, you know, go to a ball game with their kid because their operation is more efficient. And, and I think that's something that everyone can um, uh, can uh, um, empathize with. So that that's how I typically talk about it when I talk about what we do. Um, you know, it's funny, you know, coming 
from agriculture, but I mean, I, we're, we're based in Toronto, so big city. You definitely run into some, some folks that um, maybe don't understand all that much about agriculture these days or the need for innovation or, or how, how a grower looks at things. And talking about it in that kind of context, um, you know, folks are usually uh, pretty excited about what we're doing. That's cool. What do you, on the flip side of that, what do you hear from farmers? What are growers saying when they talk about Vive? They love our products. So we, we do a, a customer satisfaction survey every year where we uh, reach out to as many of our grower customers as we can. Um, and we ask them you know, what their experience was with our products and uh, whether they plan to reuse them and, and recommend them to their uh, friends and neighbors. Um, and I want to particularly highlight the answer to that last one. So we've been doing this now for five years. And on that, are you willing to recommend these to your friends and neighbors? We, we've seen about a 95% uh, 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 fraction of our growers say, yeah, I am excited about these products and I want to recommend them. And for anybody uh, who's listening to this that isn't from agriculture, farmers tend to be a little skeptical about new innovation. And so to get that kind of responsiveness and excitement from them, I mean, those are those are John Deere level numbers. We're we're uh, beyond thrilled by that kind of uh, reception, and it's because again, there's this desire, this craving for new innovation and new tools that that they're just not getting from anyone else because the the new chemistry is takes forever and too much money to get to market, and so they they need new tools, and and we're we're one of the only companies that are really providing them stuff that's truly different and unique every year. Uh, 95 is something to brag about for sure. Uh, that's un, that's crazy. Um, I'm curious, is there are there certain like keywords or little words that you hear when you're talking with farmers that when they're used, when they're trying to describe you to others, is there certain like words or something like I keep hearing that word? I'm just curious. Yeah, it's um, the, you know, it's funny. Um, uh, the, the last the last financing round we did, um, our investors did a bunch of calls with our customers. And I remember talking to one of our investors who said um, they expected the conversation with our customers to be all about yield, right? Vibes products increase our yields and they increase our profitability. And he expected to hear that from from all of our customers. And, and that's true. Our products do increase their productivity, increase their yield, increase their profitability. But that's not what they heard when they talked to our customers. What they heard every time was either convenience or that it was easy, that these were easy products to use. Um, and that is the message that we hear over and over again, is it's an innovative product that does something new, gives them a new tool in their toolbox, but it's an easy tool to use. It's not something that needs a huge change to their operation and it makes their lives easier and, and more convenient. So I have a theory on why that is, do you? I'm curious what your theory is. Okay, I'll go first. I, I think it's because yield is an ultimate goal, but it's numerical and it's hard to grasp and put and wrap our minds around. Whereas uh, the pain in the butt that some of this stuff is every day, that's a high fidelity experience. It's high definition, right? And so you it is very real and it's, there's a little bit more emotion. Uh, maybe not. Emotion may be tied to both, but it is something that you for sure experience in high fidelity. And so it just really sticks with you because it's much more experiential. And so I just think there's stickiness to it to be top of mind. Whereas the other, again, is like, it's a number, it's important. It's what you're pushing towards at the end of the year, but maybe you attribute to multiple things. So I don't know. That's my, that's my guess. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with you. I think there's another, a couple other pieces that go into that. I mean, one is most of our products are designed to be used when a grower's first planting their crop. 
And then they're coming back at harvest six months later, five months later, whatever. They're, they're coming back. When they come back for harvest, that's a long time difference between when they when they made the decision to use our products and when they're seeing the results of it. And I think you're exactly right. The emotional um, context for that gets lost over that period, and it does become a much more data-driven piece, which is important. And again, if our products weren't increasing growers' profitability, they wouldn't be using them. I mean, that is critically important. But that initial emotional component, and one of the biggest things is because our products are easy to use and they give growers new tools at planning, planning is an incredibly busy time, right? And if you help make their lives easier when they're planting, it has an enormous impact on their ability to deal with what is one of the, the most stressful parts of the year. And going back to what I said earlier and spend a little bit more time with their kids that they might otherwise not be able to do during that period. And, uh, and it's amazing how much of a, an emotional um, component there is associated with that. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, farmers are people, right? And, and how many things that are good for us in the long run do we do in the short run? Like we just don't do it. Right. So it's great yeah. that you kind of hit it on both ends, right? It's, it's obviously good for operations, but it's also good. It's easy. It's an easy decision to make probably. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, and that's been a big part of, of why we've had customers that have been so excited to be working with us. And the fun thing is, like, when we do that survey, we actually do that survey after harvest. So they're still looking back six months when they're when they're making that decision and saying, yeah, I'd recommend it to their friends and neighbors. So they get they're looking back at it, having looked at both. Right. Having looked at their harvest results and having remembered what that experience was with the with the products that they were using way back, you know, March, April, May. That's cool. When you're talking with partners or growers, just anybody in the industry, are there still misconceptions that you come across of people who just don't quite fully understand what your team understands or any, or any misconceptions you come across or would like to clear up if you could? Yeah, the, the biggest thing we run into uh, goes back to something uh, that we were talking a little bit about earlier, which is um, just we're trying to build a, a unique kind of business in in the ag input space you do typically end up having companies that are either the big research companies or the generics and there hasn't really been companies like us that are taking chemistries that growers have been using for 30 years that are off patent and giving them a new tool and so sometimes we do run into growers or, or distributors or retailers that um you know want to put us in the generics bucket right and they want to just say well this is just like the competitive product and so we end up having to spend a fair bit of time educating folks on the benefits associated with what we're doing, the fact that they can be used in a new way, the agronomic benefits associated with that, the productivity benefits associated with that, um, sustainability benefits, if that's important to, to the customer that we're talking about. And that does that does take some time to 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 have those conversations. I mean, we're not, we're not, uh, I mean, we're value added. We're selling new products that are innovative. And so that does take some time. Um, but I think that's probably the biggest um, biggest misconception we end up running into, or is is really just explaining to folks that, in our view, this is this is really going to be a new category um, in ag. And and you know, it's funny sometimes when I'm talking to um, more generalist audiences, I'll talk about this in the context of um, the pharmaceutical world because companies 
um, pharmaceutical world used to look just like agriculture. You'd have the guys that did all the research and then you'd have the generics companies. And what started to happen was people realized that if you can effectively deliver a drug in a new way by having a patch or, you know, having a delivery system that helps the drug go to your heart and not go elsewhere in your body or, you know, have something you can take orally instead of it being injected, you can make people's lives easier. You can, you know, again, it's the easy button. It's the convenience. It's helping them be able to live their lives instead of having to go to, you know, go to the hospital for an injection. Now you can take it at home and spend the time with your kids. And so that segment has has been in pharma for 20 or 25 years, but it went through the same same issues. Well, that segment, you know, originally when people started doing drug delivery, nobody knew what that looked like. And so we're following that same playbook in in agriculture, and, and we think we're going to have the same kinds of uh, kinds of impacts. Yeah. Anytime you're pioneering a new category, that comes with a lot of education, and um, it is. Uh, sometimes requires a lot of resources, time and energy, but it's also <laughs> everybody wants to be the category pioneer, you know, at the same time. Yep. So do you feel like you are truly kind of standing alone? Do you see more competition? What do you foresee on the horizon there as you guys make progress into this new category? Yeah, I mean, we, we certainly um, view ourselves as the market leader uh, doing this. Um, you know, we've had products on the market now since uh, 2017, really started pushing commercially 2018. We're on over 2 million acres in the U.S. today. Um, so it, it, we really, I mean, most of the competitive uh, types of technologies and that type of thing are, are pre-commercial at this stage. Um, that having been said, I mean, there folks have realized that we're onto something and it's definitely a, a segment that is going to grow in the same way that drug delivery um, uh, became a, a really meaningful segment in, in pharmaceuticals. So um, so I do expect that we'll start to see more uh, competition in the market. Um, one of the nice things in agriculture, though, is you have a really nice built in moat because these products are typically First of all, 95% uh, willingness to recommend, right? So you have that sticky sale for growers that are seeing the benefits associated with your products. But then you also have the regulatory approval component that's necessary for any new technology. And, and that's never never straightforward. It always requires um, some really good science to make sure that you can assess um, any potential risks associated with a new technology, and then and then work with the regulator to make sure that they they're they're comfortable um, with with the mitigation measures that are in place. And so, typically, when I think about um, other technology companies like ours, I typically think that we've got probably a four year head start over where most of them are at. Um, you know where I where I probably see the biggest competitive response is going to be from from the big guys, and ultimately the big guys these days they want to innovate in areas where they you know can can build an average product for an average grower in every country in the world, and because of our innovative approach to developing new products, we can develop um, products for specific growers in specific markets. Um, and those, those opportunities aren't going to be ones that the big guys are going to want to come after us in. Yeah, that's great. What about if you put your shoe, yourself in the shoes of the growers and you look, I don't know, 5, 10, 20 years down the road, are there things that you foresee coming their direction, being available to them uh, that's going to make their lives better, just continue to push Precision Ag forward? Yeah, the, the biggest area, and I'll talk about it more from, from the input side and, and what we're excited about, um, you know, the biggest thing that I do think if you go forward 20 years that is going to be different than today is the fraction of products that are going to be based on biological solutions. 
And what I'll say there to begin with is, I mean, biological solutions today are definitely, um, they have challenges associated with them. They tend to be inconsistent in performance. They tend to be expensive. Sometimes the science isn't all that well understood. And so for our customer, for the growers, they, there's a lot of skepticism about these bio-based solutions and that makes a ton of sense. That having been said, that is where all the discovery is happening. That is where all of the energy is going around developing new materials that are gonna solve problems on growers' farms. So the way that we've actually approached it is to uh, build products that are combinations of old synthetic chemistry that growers have knew, known and trusted for a long time, delivered with our technology with some unique benefit, combined with a bio-enabled solution, uh, because we really think that that's going to be what drives adoption and is going to be uh, the future of this industry. You know, I think sometimes there's this um, misperception, going back to an earlier conversation, there's this misperception that it's or, and it's not or, it's and. Yeah, these are these solutions are gonna be used in tandem. Um, and, uh, and that's really what's going to uh, provide growers new solutions for the next 20, 30, 50 years. And the explosion of research and innovation on the life sciences side, again, even on the human health side, is going to end up having enormous impacts in, in agriculture as well. Hey everyone, we've learned a lot from this podcast series and we've put the good stuff in a handful of PDF frameworks. It's topics like messaging, channel strategy, and market fit. You can grab them at nativedigital.com slash resources.